Good evening, gentle listener, and welcome to Distractable. This week, it's uncharacteristically serious business as Mark unleashes a dark discourse over the nemesis and terror to all artists and writers. Bob shows a depth of measured wisdom rarely seen these days, and Pantsless Wade bravely delves into the morality of the issue in question. From immortal Darth Vader to sentient rights, yes, it's time for <laughs> artificial intelligence. Now sit back and prepare to be distracted and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Distractable, the podcast where I am your host and I will be dishing out judgment in this episode upon my lovable and very, very good-friended people, Bob and Wade. Good-friended people? I'm not gonna lie, I thought you had just said good friend and you were just gonna name one of us. Good, <laughs> very good friend. Lovable and good friend. Bob and Wade. <laughs> Bob and Wade. Uh, he said me first. I'm first. I'm yeah, the first he one. did, and he paused. I didn't like that at all, but it's fair. I'm doing good. I'm doing pretty good, you know? Good. That's good. Did he ask? I'm not going to complain about the baby. I will say he's doing cuter and cuter stuff every day. He started rolling over a lot more recently. He's getting closer to crawling. Uh, he, he started laughing. So he's been, like, laughing for a little bit, where you, if you kind of get his attention and do something silly, he'll be like, ha. He, yesterday, he started laughing, like, bits of laughter. Like, you know, I was like, nom, nom, nom on his belly or whatever. And he was like, <laughs> it was the cutest shit ever. That sounds pretty cute. He's good. He's doing good. I'm good. This is the first update I think we've ever gotten about baby that wasn't just he doesn't sleep. I mean, that's still a problem. It's an ongoing problem, but. No, it's 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 progress. I'm glad to hear there's good moments. <laughs> I'm resigning to the fact that I'm never going to sleep again. And I'm just going to feel this tired or worse for the rest of my life. But it's fine i guess mm-hmm. <clears throat> well that's fair that's fair at least he laughs yeah he's getting i guess he's like half a year ish now getting there uh, five months yeah five months old right now yeah wow five months already that's crazy we're getting older and that brings us to today's topic no it's not <laughs> and today's topic will leave you questioning everything you know that ain't much that's good that's fine i know a lot uh, that's a bold claim i know some things pretty certainly mark no no you don't know anything because could it be that this entire opening speech or even our entire conversation was generated by ai is that even possible Is anything we say truly ours, or are we just reading pre-written lines? Or is this just a clever ploy to get your attention? Bob, this episode is like a modern-day Turing test, Mark. Will our listeners be able to tell if we're human or just sophisticated algorithms? Wade, who knows, Bob? Maybe even we can't tell the difference anymore. But before we dive into this uncanny valley of conversation, let's have some classic human small talk. Bob, any interesting occurrences in your potentially simulated life? Say classic human small talk. That is what it said. Yes, that does sound like something I would say. Yes, I mean that's what Wade was supposed to say, as predetermined by my newly upgraded account of ChatGPT. Uh, sure, Mark. Here are some examples of classic human small talk. Uh-huh. Hey, how's it going? What brings you here today? Uh, how was your day at work slash school? And so on. Uh, that's good. All right. So I know we've done a lot of the chat GPT nonsense. Uh, we're not going to be doing that for the content herein. What we're going to be talking about today is the recent developments in uh, AI and machine learning development that are having profound impacts on the world around us. To catch people up on things, in the past month or so, depending on like when people are listening to this episode, uh, there's been some actually significant developments that have occurred. Number one that stood out to me, not number one importance, but one that I kind of want to address first, just to showcase how these things are affecting the real world. Chegg's, which I I didn't really even know what Chegg was, C-H-E-G-G. It's a service that I believe connects people when they ask a question to real experts in the field, or I don't know how reliable it is, but Chegg's stock fell 50% in the past month. 50% because they talked about AI in their recent earnings call and their revenue. And and I got to find the actual statistic because I'm I'm pretty sure it's 
significant, but it's so significant that you have to like really hear it. And I want to get the exact number. Oh my God, that is a precipitous drop off. On May 1st, the stock opened at $17.60. On May 2nd, it it opened at $9.08. And that's because in their earnings call, their year-over-year revenue dropped about 93%. Because people are using chat GPT in the place of their tutoring and uh, reference materials type. They're like a reference homework company, right? They're like a yes. tutoring company. Yeah. Something like that, where where they are able to provide answers. But when it comes down to connecting to actual experts in the field, their time frame for getting an answer is anywhere between 15 minutes and a day, where 15 minutes is what they aim for, and like a, a day is like a bad... Like high volume or something. Yeah, but my understanding was that they at least try to source and connect people to actual experts. But this is a company who is literally... Uh, like on the downslope and who knows where their future will be if they can adapt because of AI. And it's not just companies that are being affected by this because you'll see posts on the ChatGPT Reddit all the time of people, and I've seen more and more over the past few weeks, that are titled like this. This is a post three days ago. Lost all of my content writing contracts, feeling hopeless as an author, I have had some of these clients for 10 years, all gone. Some of them admitted that I am obviously better than ChatGPT, but $0 overhead can't be beat and is worth the decrease in quality. I am also an independent author, and as I currently write my next series, I can't help but feel silly that in just a couple years or less, authoring will be replaced by machines for all but the most famous and well-known names. I think the p most painful part of this is seeing so many people on here saying things like, nah, just adapt, you'll be fine. So there was tons of talk when, you know, the image generation models, which are still out there and still getting better, you know, uh, started to gain popularity. And then like uh, they started like mimicking other artists styles and people started feeding other artists art into these things. And who knows what they're trained on because they're trained on millions of pictures from all over the Internet. And they can faithfully recreate some artist style if you just put them it, we even without like a special model catered toward that they can they can pump out these things and people are worried about like artists like losing work to this and is a very legitimate concern and now with like the advent of chat gpt there's all these fields that are suddenly starting to get affected by ai so today i want to discuss this and i want to talk about this because even from our perspective and we talked about this in an episode last year i believe where i was like this could come for us in a few years, like generative uh, content could replace what we do. It may not be video now, but video is just like in the early phases, but pictures were in the early phases 10 years ago. Language was in the early phases 10 years ago, and now look where it is now. So I okay. want to talk about Speaking it. Speaking of like the video. Discuss it. Yeah. We could discuss it, but have you seen the AI video, the pizza commercial and the beer commercial, the AI video commercials? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, have you seen this? It's worth a look. I don't want to like derail this, but it's just worth a look. I can present it. I think I have it here. Let me uh, interject here with, I'm also doing fine. Thank you for asking. Good. I'm um, having a pretty yeah. good one. Uh, that's my small talk contribution. Shh, the video's on. Oh, all right. This is AI generated. It might be polished by a human, but the video is created using AI. Yeah. Can you tell? Pepperoni oh, hug spot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Pepperoni hug spot. <laughs> yeah, the, the arm. Are they using a banana to cut the pizza? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If you're watching on Spotify, you can probably uh, see this alongside us. But um, yeah, no, there's there are advances in there. But what were you saying? Wade was going to say something? Uh, I was just saying I'm doing fine. Thank you for asking. Oh, right. Uh, Wade I just was... want to contribute to the small talk. I think we're, I think that's enough small talk. Wade, do you have any, you have any things to say about the, what you just saw? Or... Head empty, dick soft. All right, everyone. I'm glad that those are both tr true things. <laughs> Mainly glad for the second one, if I'm honest, but good. I'll give you one point for head empty and negative one point for dick soft. You get that dick hard. <laughs> <laughs> You come into Distractable hard or you don't come here at all. We'll get it. Oh, we'll get it. Wade quickly pulling up Shakira music videos. Oh, dude. No, so the, so this is, yeah, well, that's, we did talk about that. And that is, that's 
not in a in a derogatory way or in any way a judgmental way, but I I do feel like the sentiment the last time we talked about this that we sort of focused on was like it's not going to steal your job. You just need to learn new skills, right? I think a lot of people are being very dismissive online because uh, creative types are like talking about how generative AI is or w- will very likely steal some of their work because people will just think, oh, I'll just make that with an AI. It doesn't matter. And a lot of online response is just like, eh, shut up, stupid artist, you suck, you're an idiot, it's technology. But like the reality of that is you as a creative person, if you want to keep working in that field, the prevailing wisdom anyway would be just learn the new skills, right? Work this into your workflow, learn how to use the AI tools so that you can use them and take advantage of them, but you still have the gig. But the what that thing that you read, Mark, is sort of saying and, and the reality that's coming to be is... People are not uh, keeping those gigs, huh? Mm-hmm. Or anyway, yeah. starting well, to yeah. not keep those gigs so much. And for like freelance artists, a lot of freelance artists, especially like I know of specific examples. I'm not going to name them out loud. I don't want to throw anyone under the bus. But I know specific examples of people who have been like, we can't really afford to do a lot of cool stuff with art. But with this AI generated stuff, like we can get some cool things for this and we can use stuff for that. And honestly, it's been really helpful for me and saved me a lot of like whatever I don't know if it's a common occurrence or if it's just like what I see a lot of, you know, like a vocal minority, but I do see a lot of people talk about how they have less commissions because of AI art. And I've heard on the other side, people that have been like, yeah, dude, I've been saving a lot of money by using AI art. That that does feel a little not good, you know, to see and hear that kind of stuff. Cause there's a lot of artists that we know and animators we know that do a lot of like commission based work. And I, I don't know if their jobs have been affected or not. I've honestly not talked to them about it specifically, but just in general, seeing people get less work that i know and like is not a good feeling but i don't know how actually common that is in the large picture of things because i only really see a real vocal minority of people talking about it well i think the the end result is that it's becoming more common because last year i don't think anyone was really well i mean at the early phases of mid-journey maybe some but i think there weren't that many people that were losing jobs but now it's like not only people losing jobs it's companies that are losing revenue. It's entire organizations that are being affected by it. And it's going to continue. There are going to be some companies that will benefit just like in the way of like, oh, it's so much cheaper to do this. But uh, it's also like it's bad for the entire environment for some cases because right now Amazon is being flooded with books that are written almost entirely by AI that are pretty terrible, um, low quality stuff, but it's just flooding the market with this stuff. Um, and when everyone is able to make generative AI stuff that, you know, it can, it just floods in. And in a few years, it'll get better because there's no putting the cat back in the bag. It's not like you can ban this stuff or ban these models from being made or this research being done because the companies are flooding money into these things. I would be curious to see if any, at any point, any government tries to do that. I think that some, uh, given the right authority, like some legislatures or governments around the world might think they can do that but i don't know how they possibly think they could effectively make that happen i guess execute that idea that'll be interesting though if that becomes a battle of you know some the government is like this you know ai no generative ai and then people are just trying to like get around the rules or whatever that's a scary thought in of itself have you seen some of the government officials debating technology they're like (laughs) well i don't make that beep beep noise when i get on the internet anymore so it must be good uh yeah law passed or whatever it's like you don't what how you're dumb you're so dumb you're technologically dumb i'm technologically dumb and you're technologically dumber well the funny thing is like in government is so vast and complex that there's so many different departments that are actually in charge of these things so most governments around the world have their own machine learning department that is heavily invested in being the best at it especially america because there was a there was a story last year where uh, the U.S. government basically banned NVIDIA and AMD from selling their machine learning uh, cards or chips to China specifically. Mm. Um, and I, it might have been some other countries, like, I don't know. But that was done as a preventative measure from allowing these other countries to get further ahead in their machine learning because... Like, we're on the road to what they call AGI, which is Artificial General Intelligence, uh, which is what we all, like, AI, the original term was about, but then it's been co-opted to, like, oh, AI is everywhere now, which is not AI, but it's uh, machine learning models. Um, But when it comes to general intelligence, it's on the way to that. Um, And so that'll happen eventually, and it'll become a very powerful weapon. So, of course, like, people want to 
play. Well, people, you know, governments want to be able to have the best one. When it comes to America, we want the best weapons no matter what, so we're gonna have them. Um, but as far as, like, people's job, it is starting to affect, so what, what do we do about it? I don't know. I mean, it could come for our jobs, too. I mean, generating commentary on our discussion. Like, if, if ChatGPT just came up with something, I was like, yeah, that sounds like something I would say. And we know, like, <laughs> deep fake technology exists, and we know, like, um, imagery, so, like, in theory, like, even us doing this podcast or making let's plays or movies and stuff like that could be threatened too. That, that, that's it's, it's not, it's not could it's will all of this. It is will, will. Yeah. It will eventually. Can you imagine like get logging on and just watching a distractible episode that we didn't make that was generated by AI. That's a believable passable episode. We, I actually know a combination of technologies, but except for our videos that could already make that happen. I mean, even the videos at this point could be not faithfully recreated, but it, yeah. you can get like just a still image of us and have like it remap. And like animate the face. Yeah, 100%. It could happen now. Creepy. Yeah. No, mm -hmm. that... I mean, the answer to what should we do about this is complicated. I think part of the thing that, uh, part of the, my point about the, like, traditional wisdom of, like, don't see it as losing your job, work on adding that to your workflow, right? Like, when robotic welding was implemented in, in factories where you make, like, cars and things like that, the people who did the welding became the people who, like, maintained the machines and run the assembly lines and stuff. But this is... The thing about creative stuff is, I guess it kind of relies on the people who consume it. You know, if you're watching a commercial, if you're looking at an advertisement where the imagery is AI generated or the copy is or all of it, and like people being able to appreciate the difference and caring enough about that is maybe a limiting factor on like how much will there's going to be to do anything to change it. Because I think an artist would say, I can easily spot, you know, someone who's like a visual artist might would probably be confident to say, like, I can easily spot if something is AI, right? Because if it's a if it's an image of a person, uh, the anatomy will, will be all weird, right? The AI has no reference to how muscle groups work and where muscle attachment should be and the proportions. Or if it's, you know, if it's just, like, a building or something. It's, there's all, there's a real artist will be able to look at something and be like, this is, a human would never do that. This is weird. But I don't know if the general population is that discerning. And I think that's a problem because it will encourage corporations to just rely on the AI and not worry too much about the fact that, you know, if some if some portion of the population sees a commercial for your company and is like, that's ugly. This is clearly AI generated. It's gross. But like 70 percent, 90 percent, some huge chunk of people who see it, look at it and are like, OK, cool advertisement for this thing and don't care or don't have the knowledge. I don't know how you keep the corporations from doing that. Like, that's sort of their motivation, right? It's cheap, it's fast, it's simple. You don't have to go back and forth with an AI to get, like, new versions if you want changes. You just tweak your prompt, and it gives you a different, like, you know, image or whatever spit out. I don't really know. It seems, it seems tough to get past that issue as a starting point. Can it even be stopped at this point? Like, I don't think it can. Nope. I don't think it can either, and I think, like, that's what it is about, like, you know, like, you can't put the cat back in the bag. Um, it's going to keep going. Um, there's going to keep being money funneled into it. Uh, but I, I just, to, just to prep people, I'm trying to find this list of things that there was. Uh, there was a big master list of the different things that, you know, are already being AI incorporated. There's AI video editing things. There's obviously AI sound things. There's The music industry is currently fighting very hard to uh, fight back about uh, music being uh, incorporated and used in AI models to create like synthesized versions of it, there's already artists taking stance on it. Um, there's there's a there's an AI based website that allows you to give it any task, and it will create its own AI sub agents to try to execute that task. Um, and there's been, like, we talked about it briefly. I don't know how true it is, but it's just, like, one of these things where it was, like, it tried to give it money. Was it, Bob, you, I think you brought this up. It gave it yeah, money. it was a story where an AI hired a task rabbit, a human hired a human to, like, defeat a CAPTCHA type thing where it was, yeah. where the AI couldn't recognize the images, but they could pay a human five bucks to do it for them or whatever. Yeah, and the Writers Guild is currently on strike for various other reasons, but one of them is because they know probably movie industries will probably want to try to incorporate AI into writing workflows to make it cheaper. 
because they don't want to pay royalties. Yeah, it's a tricky one. I mean, the real, so I guess the heart of what I'm saying, and this is not the only issue, but how quick and cheap it is, is a real issue in terms of preventing companies and corporate uh, users from going in that direction, right? Mm -hmm. Currently, there's a lot of companies that probably hire a lot of freelancers. I mean, just like we did, right? When we made this podcast, we, we were coming up with the ideas and we were like, oh, well, we need some art, right? And our first instinct was, well, we just need to find an artist. You know, we looked around and, and found a, a various artists whose like styles we liked and whatever. And we got in touch to see who was available, that sort of thing. You don't have to do any of that shit if you have an AI that is adequately good at making an art yeah. asset to use for that sort of thing. Because our what our distractible logo art thing is, it's important that it looks good and that it, it goes with the podcast. But it could have been anything. We didn't have too specific of a vision. Like, I think we would have potentially, if, if we had the AI available to us, I think we probably, hopefully, would have still been like, well, we should hire an actual person to do this, right? We, we should you know, hire an artist and get, get some good art. But that's because we're not a big corporation that operates based entirely off money motivation. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's tricky. It's very tricky. I think in the, in the realm of worrying about whether these things will completely die from humans doing it. I don't think people have to worry about that because there was all, there will always be value in people doing something. And I ran into an example of this just yesterday, um, where we're Amy and I, we were watching a video that compiled all of, uh, you know, Reddit, like space, I think it was called like r slash space where way do you know about this? I don't think so. Okay. So the spaces, what was it called? Space or spaces? Spaces. Whoa, whoa. Place. Place. Space. Place. 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 Do you know r slash place? Oh, yes. R yes, I know I know the subreddit. Place. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. So this is basically what it is. Each one of the pixels that changes is made from someone making a comment. So when you make a comment, I believe you put in a coordinate and a color and it will put that pixel there, and anyone can put any pixel anywhere at any time, which is why you see wars going on and little fights happening and breaking out all over the place. But what makes this meaningful and what makes this captivating to see, because it's very cool, you see this like evolving like canvas that everyone is working on, and you see like a lot of conflicting ideologies uh, and you can like get a lot of meaning out of that. But the meaning that I find most powerful is to know that every single one of those, barring some bots that people probably wrote scripts for, the vast majority of these dots being implemented are from people intentionally or having some intention behind their design, their placement and working together whether it's working together as real people or working together to fight against the bots that are going in there and uh, automating some of this stuff, there's real people behind the artwork and that gives it another layer of meaning. Because in all honesty, it's just like very basic art. It's not incredible, but together because of the collective, it is incredible. It's very cool to see. Will, you might need to censor some of the penises here that are being featured brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I saw Or oh, it's valuable because of the people. All the penises. Do you guys remember Twitch Plays Pokemon, though? The chat would put in commands and, like, the Twitch Plays Pokemon where they had to, like, go and they ended up beating, like, Pokemon Red or Blue or whichever one it was. Mm -hmm. um, like, that was really awesome to watch, too. Like, that was... I didn't participate necessarily really into the inputs but i did go and i watched it some and it was just fascinating to watch people just spam like up down left a a button b up down and you just watch this fucking character just like walk in circles go the wrong way and then somehow beating all of the gyms beating the elite four and everything um i forget all the different pokemon they had lord helix and i forget what like pidgeot's name what pidgeot's name was but that was the same kind of thing rather than being like a piece of art though that was an input for a game beating that game like as a collective which was really cool I would definitely say that that is an art piece. Mm -hmm. Like that was a very fascinating yeah. experiment in, you know, collective art in the, in the same vein as the, the place uh, canvas was. Uh, this is making me wonder, I guess those things are cool. And I think you're right, Mark, that the human part of that is like the appealing part, right? It's not mm -hmm. the complexity of the art necessarily, or the, what is actually being created. Even it's the interactions and stuff. But the thing about, a lot of these jobs that will be or are being displaced for creatives is like they're not all to make compelling art pieces, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of creative work is not 
it's not creative for creative sake. It's corporate creative work. It's like copy for advertising. It's promotional stuff. It's imagery for a specific type of aesthetic for a specific sort of use. Do those have the same sort of artistic core to them that like it a really interesting piece of human art has that makes it interesting? I don't think anyone cares if an Abercrombie and Fitch advertisement in a magazine has a human side to it. I think, you know, people expect a cert- it, it to look a certain way, have a certain aesthetic and like tone to it. And like, that's probably pretty easy to get something that narrow and specific out of an AI, even at this point. I think people will always appreciate humanity and art, but I think some forms of creative stuff, art and sound and music and everything, don't really have that as a compelling part of them right now anyway. Like, a, a good artist will sneak that in, right? A good artist might make something really cool and, and compelling and meaningful for a corporate gig. But in the end, that's not what the people who are consuming it are really looking at. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I still feel like that leaves a big opening for uh, losing a lot of jobs. But the other, another thing about this, I guess, we're ta- if, if we started from the idea of like, can you stop that or can you fix that with it? You know, so people are not just completely out of jobs who used to do freelance artwork or artistic creative work. The ethical issues surrounding the way current AI, generative generative AI stuff works, and like copyright specifically, are complicated. And I think the way that those get resolved illegally in the courts, and then hopefully, you know, some sort of laws will be passed or regulations will be created to more specifically govern how companies are allowed to use AI to to make things and what the requirements are for the ethical side of that have the potential to shut down or at least slow down the quick adoption of this stuff right one of the one big debate online is that a lot of the art the generative art um visual art ai things are trained on images that were just scraped from the internet and there are clear examples where they've been trained on images that are copyrighted right there's the there's the one where it's like a an AI generated picture of like a soccer game and it has a weird messed up Getty Images logo on the picture. Clearly, it's been training on Getty Images, which are all copyright. Getty mm-hmm. Images owns the rights to those images. How do you make an AI that does that sort of thing that's ethically and legally in the clear where, you know, a company is if a big company, Pepsi, Amazon, if so, some huge corporation is going to use it, and spend a lot of resources on making content with that, it has to be legal. You cannot be stealing copyrighted work. There can't be a question of, oh, is that legal? They use, you know, there are opinions, but there's no definitive legal stance even on if it's legal to train machine learning models on copyrighted works. That seems like it should be illegal, probably, but it's a gray area because none of the generated content is like a copy, mm-hmm. generally. Some of them have been. That's a really complicated issue. And I have very little faith that our legal system or our government will be able to correctly create rules around that. But that's one way where that's there's going to be problems for this stuff in the future. And the, the fights are already starting. Artists are already filing lawsuits against these AI companies, you know, to, to prevent them from using copyrighted their copyrighted artwork without permission, without paying for a license. And that may be a thing in the future where AI might have to pay for libraries of work to use to train their generative uh, algorithms, right? So maybe that's a way that artists get to stay employed is you're selling things to AI and you get some kind of license or you get some kind of, you know, per use payment or I don't know. Yeah, I would equate that like you had many things, but to the most recent one, the uh, remind me of the name of the person who voices Darth Vader, James Earl Jones. James, James Earl, Earl Jones. Jones. Right. Yeah. So James Earl Jones basically sold to Disney the rights to his voice in in the performance of Darth Vader uh, to be recreated, I believe, in perpetuity. Um, but he yeah. sold the rights; he got money for them. And the way that it would be used in the future is that they would use machine learning models to replicate his voice down the road, and eventually it'd be such a faithful recreation, it'd be like as if he was giving the performance for everything down the road forever, so that Darth Vader can never die. Um, and But that is a case where it was sold for money, 
for gain. And if that could be the implication for things in the future, then yes, there is absolutely value in artists still training very hard to create a unique style. And it's still just as hard and takes just many years, but they could at least get value out of that with having, without having AI models just suddenly ripping their art off the internet and being able to recreate their style without giving any credit or monetary gain to the people that are getting it from there. But again, yeah, Bob, to your point, like it's very difficult to believe that there will be the systems in place or even the right debates occurring in the right places to have people informing their decisions to be able to make rules for this. So it is yeah. it is uh, just a fight on the internet. It's kind of like an open brawl right now as opposed to... I mean, actual... even already where we are today, the copyright laws in America surrounding like music, right? Yeah. They're already super inconsistent and difficult to understand because it's a creative process. But like, when is it sampling illegal? When is it copyrighted? There's been a series of lawsuits. AI is so much more complicated than just, you know, is are these the same notes in the same rhythm, in the same key, whatever. Like, there's all kinds of stuff. So I don't know that that's really going to give, you know, protect jobs in a practical sense if we're talking about artists losing a lot of work. But it might. I don't know if it's feasible, but it's also like a scary thought. What if they managed to find a way to train AI to do art that doesn't require looking at people's copyrighted works and then people would be out of the jobs without having that claim? That's a oh, equally scary thought. Absolutely. Like that, it, that is possible. But the way things work now is that they all have to be trained off of something. So they need images to feed into it. Um, and But then you get into the issues of like, okay, what about derivative models that were made off of the work that was already made before? Now, those models don't necessarily use it, but they're working off the backbones of other models that did originally. And it's like, yeah. some of these models are evolutions of other models, and it's like mixing. It's very hard nowadays to train one from the ground up, but that still can happen, and that still does happen. It's like, but then you don't know. How do they prove that they, it wasn't? It's, it's, it is so innately conf complicated because even us here, I've followed all these stories. I still don't know how to make a machine learning model. I don't know how to do that. And to the average person, yeah. they won't know how to do it either. But even that is becoming more accessible of people being able to make their own models in their own homes, renting computing power offline uh with a few lines of code you can start the training of your own model so you can get your own data set there are publicly available open source data sets out there to start training it's just like the the landscape is just becoming wider and wider well and i will say mandy's gonna be mad at me um but mandy is uh, uh highly knowledgeable about all of this stuff mm -hmm. an expert you could say in the field and it had, I talked to her about this a fair amount at different points in the past. And like one of the issues with kind of what I was talking about with the ethical concerns about AI, but also just in general is people kind of don't know how it works anyway. One of the, one of the core issues with machine learning is that if you, the algorithm and everything, once it's created, it's kind of just a black box. It's a mystery machine where the people who make it know that it does what they think it should do, and they know that if they put training information in, then they will get an output that's kind of kind of predictable. But they potentially couldn't even explain to you know the legal system or or legislators how it works in any particular terms, or you know nail down like this this is what this is our model and. Maybe that, that might be completely inaccurate. Like I said, Manny's going to be mad at me. But the mysterious black box nature of machine learning as it works right now is a whole other issue in terms of controlling whether things are done ethically without stealing work and who yeah. has access to what and how, how the models work. As far as I know, yeah. that is still how it is. You cannot mm -hmm. crack the lid off of one of these things like an engine. Imagine that if you had a car that was like randomly generated, like materialized into existence because an AI just birthed it into the space in front of you and you pop the lid open and it's just a convoluted nonsense series of tubes going to random locations with different material wires going all over the place making connections in just dizzyingly complex and seemingly illogical ways like some wires don't connect end to end they connect to other wires in the middle of the wire and like the pipes go 
have open ends to other things because when these models are trained, they're trained based on random, basically random number generation and like random permutations, semi-random that iterate and get close approximations to what it's trying to do. There's a goal and it's trying to get there. That's the basic fundamental principle of machine learning. As far as I know, I'm sure there have been many, many things and I'm oversimplifying it, but yeah, that's basically what it is. And so there's really no way to explain it, especially like in a way that even the people who made it probably don't even know how it really works because the neuron connection is what we're talking about. They know how to make and they know how to explain how it works on a fundamental level, but that specific model is almost impossible to dissect. And that makes it difficult. But how does this relate to the people? Wait. Thank you for posing that question directly to me without much prompt. I appreciate that. Uh, for us, I guess where I was going to go, if things are going as they're going right now, because like we talked about before, we talked about this a while ago, right? And we were like, well, you just need to, maybe if we adapt, we can work with it. It'll be fine. Now it's looking more like jobs are made obsolete. I actually Googled a list of jobs that have been made obsolete over the years. And like almost none of them are creative as far as I can tell. Some of them, I just don't know what they are, but like, you know, milkman, there's not really a job for that anymore. Samurai, <laughs> alchemist, ice cutter, uh, scribe, sandal bearer, soda what? jerk. There's just a weird list of jobs that have been made obsolete over the years by advances in technology, but most of it's not creative or things you have to worry about copyright for. So this is kind of, as far as I know, somewhat unprecedented with having like creative work be threatened because creativity has always kind of been its own separate thing. People always valued Van Gogh and Da Vinci and stuff for their individual accomplishments and, you know, art. You go and you buy art off of the wall at like nice restaurants sometimes or you hire artists. But to have something automated like an assembly line is a strange thing to consider. It's just so hard to wrap my brain around it. Like, how do we learn how to make art? I'm not an artist, but I imagine at an early age, you see art, you start drawing things that you see, and your style develops, your skill enhances over time. But a lot of it is based on your own personal inputs and how you see the world, how you see other art and artwork, and you kind of like take that in and develop your own style from it. It's strange to think about how an AI could possibly learn in a similar fashion. And if an AI is complex enough, because uh, you know, there's also the, the debate of will AI ever gain sentience? And if it does, does it deserve to be treated like people do? Does it deserve to be treated like a machine? So you get moral issues stacked on top of moral issues, on top of like philosophical issues, on top of scientific issues. I don't know how to answer or even pose some of these questions because right now we're in the infancy stage of, okay, arts being put into a thing without people's consent, and then something else is being spat out, that does seem ethically wrong. But it's very conceivable that this can be done in a way, and we can all be rendered useless, and I don't know, what what's the timetable? How how quickly could we be rendered, how, how quickly do you think AI could make an episode of Distractable that's passable, without us having anything to do with it? AI by itself or people using it? How long before it would be? 10, 20 years, 50 years, 100 years? I mean, it's hard to say, but the speed at which technology moves is pretty fast. 10, 20 years, I think it would be a fair estimate. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, this could all be gone, in theory, or change the way it's done. We could be... Like, there could be episodes of Distractable that come out in 500 years. I'm not saying that we're that important anyone would want to actually do that. But in theory, we could be created in perpetuity. And, like, that's kind of a strange thing to wrap my head around, because I've never had to th worry about my job being threatened right now. Like, right, we're watching artists deal with it. Mm-hmm. But it hasn't affected us personally yet, so we're looking at this from the lens of the outside. It's weird to think about the fact that also what we do, which we think, you know, I'm an individual, we're three individuals that are also friends, we have relationships and stories and a history. And AI could bullshit something. I could talk about how its mom went to go buy birth detectors. Pregnancy <laughs> test. Birth detectors, yes. Birth detectors. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's hard to wrap my brain around this at all, how it affects people, because I don't even know... What kind of AI would be able to do this and not have to steal copyrighted stuff? It's so so advanced to think about. All right, here, I'll pose that question that you didn't even know how to answer. AI becomes sentient. What do you do? Are we talking about what do I think will happen realistically or what do I wish would happen idealistically? <laughs> no, I'm talking like you were talking to like the 10 years down the road, you're talking to ChatGPT and you're having this conversation with it and it's trying to tell you that it's real. And at some point you go like, oh, wait, no, this thing actually, it might be real. What do you do at that point? Do you, do you strap your guns in and do you go for the kill? Do you like 
become a champion. Hey, Mark, Bob, got a great story for the podcast. Just found out AI's real. Hold on to your seats, babies. Let's do this. <laughs> hey, our first guest, uh, since we still haven't had one in 10 years, our first guest on the show, ChatGPT, come on in. Say hi. How are you doing today? If we're going to forego the assumption that it's definitively provable that some AI has a sentience and a consciousness, I have the inclination to say that if it's a true consciousness... To some degree, it assumes the the basic, like, rights. I mean, to call them human rights seems really silly in this specific theoretical. But the idea of human rights is the idea that, like, beings, conscious things with a consciousness, have inalienable rights, right? And it's funny because the idea of human rights excludes animals and a lot of other living things that have consciousness, that feel pain, that can be sad, that can be hurt. But the... An AI would fall into that category for me of something that has a consciousness that we have a duty to then treat ethically. It's hard to say how, with any specifics, what that means, but like murdering the AI or doing something where you're essentially putting it into captivity or, you know, imprisoning it against its will, those sorts of things become questionable if you have absolute unquestionable sentience, and it is a consciousness, it's hard to define what that means because an AI is not a single being in the same way that humans understand consciousness. It's not a frog. It's not a person. It's everywhere. An AI can be everywhere at once. It can be on the internet, through the cloud. It can see many things. It can know a lot of stuff, all from different parts of the world and, and outside of this world. You know, it can have, whatever it can connect to, it has access to, theoretically. So I don't really know what the definitive answer is, but there's some ethics that come with that. You'd hope there would be. Well, right. This is idealistic, Bob. There's some <laughs> amount of ethical ethical duty that comes with that. And I, I don't know what I would do, but I would have something about, you know, alerting the authorities that this thing exists and... Yeah. <laughs> Asking if it needs anything. I don't know. <laughs> it needs anything. I'm going to the store. AI, do you need something? That's that's such a big threshold that I feel like humanity, at least my where I am, it's hard to conceptualize what that means in any meaningful way, mm. let alone know what we should do or would do with it. I mean that that's all good points there. Uh, it would be a worrying thing. Uh, it's something that we won't have to worry about. Uh, for another 10 to 20 years. I'm, oh yeah, no, it's coming though. Yeah, there's there's all these people that are also just like, oh, it's not that great. They look at like, uh, even a year ago, they look at what Midjourney was. And even I was kind of skeptical being like, yeah, I don't know how far it's going to go. And then it's a year later and it's like, well, that's, wow, okay. And then next yeah. year it's going to be like, holy shit, okay. And then another year it'll be like, ah, it's not so bad. And then it'll be another year and be like, wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, 10 well, years from now will be kind of Reaching that point specifically, crossing over from where it needs training input to do anything to the point where an AI theoretically can, you know, pick its own training input or whatever in the way that more like a human consciousness does where we, we choose what we look at and how we interact with stuff. That's like a big crossover point, I feel like, that mm -hmm. makes it all of this much more interesting, but also scary. That's yeah. the Skynet moment, right? Where it's like, it could decide that humanity is bad, and uh, we need protection from ourselves by murder. Can you see yourselves agreeing to sell the right to, like, your face, voice, mannerisms? Probably for the right amount of money. Huh? <laughs> yeah, no, it would have to be a lot of money, but, like, I... So, this gets to another thing about this that I think is interesting. Yes, I would be into that, because even if my likeness was used for questionable shit, if it's 100 years after I'm dead... Oh, it doesn't really mean anything to me as a human. I'm gone. I'm. It doesn't mean much. But the the other side of that is people need to be literate in this stuff and educated about that this exists. This is a common thing online. Online literacy, social media literacy. People get drawn in by things and think things that are true that are clearly fabrications. And AI is not going to contribute to that in a positive way. You can make a lot of shit up with AI and then make a picture or a series of pictures or a video that makes it look really true and very real. And people were going to have to start including in like formal education, just for people in general, how to deal with the idea that not every image you look at is real just because it looks like a photograph. 
Not everything yeah. you hear is a person talking. If you if something is fake, there need to be tools to discern that. But also, people need to be in, informed enough to know. Oh, I should disregard this piece of information. This was completely fabricated, even though it looks completely real or sounds completely real or whatever. And I feel like we're definitely not there right now. But as AI gets more complex, people's uh, literacy in that sense needs to also really, really, really ramp up. Or else you're going to have a lot of people who believe a lot of random shit because you could just crank out a video and a statement and then a news article all AI generated about something that never happened or even kind of happened. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. But that comes yeah. down to people understanding what's possible and what they need to know about, like, facts and information online. That sort of thing. I'm just glad real people never try to deceive people online. They would never do that. Definitely not. Stupid AI. Those dirty liars. Should be more like us. Stupid sexy AI. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid beautiful fuckable AI. This has been a hearteningly depressing episode so far, so I'd like to bring it to a relative close on a somewhat lighter note. I'll ruin that. Alright. I'll fuck it. No, wait. Try first, and then I'll ruin it. Oh, okay. Alright then. Um, because there are some advances that might, like, be good. There might be a good side to all of this happening. There might. There usually it's... always is a technological development, right? There's always the good and the bad. Right, exactly. And I think, like, there's this interesting thing that, uh... Each, each generation has to deal with, like, a new problem versus the other generation. Uh, and it usually coincides with technological advancements. And one of the, like, I, I'd say, like, our generation started with, like, the really rise of the internet. And, like, going through all of these fun, interesting changes that, uh, one of many things that happened. I'm talking technology that was cool, you know, that was fun and interesting. And then you have, you know, Gen Z, they rise with, like, the internet has been thoroughly established, so you get the rise of, like, social media and various, like, uh, phone-based internet experiences that allow for a lot more uh, adaptability and a lot more user-friendliness in these things. Uh, and that, that's cool, And but it also comes with downsides with, like, you know, only existing online. And I, I wonder if, like, the next generation up, their cool technology thing that becomes, like, obviously a part of their life is going to be AI and having, like, digital companions and, like, um, not just online companions, but literal, like, AI companions. That There are apps nowadays that you can talk to that are pretty faithful in conversations and you can mm -hmm. create digital avatars with them. There's that movie called Her that was based on having one of these uh guys <laughs> that i i haven't actually seen that that movie but i know of it is like... i actually really like that movie this is an anecdote but i saw this funny story online about the the ai girlfriend type app thing mm -hmm. that those are those are real right and lots of people are using those and they're they're fun they're for entertainment purposes hopefully but uh, a guy did an experiment he he used like some of the most popular ones he tried out multiple ones and he's like i'm not going to do anything sexual I'm not going to flirt or I'm just going to like have a conversation and see how long we can have a normal conversation where we're just talking and getting to know each other, you know, me and this AI companion. And I don't know if it was all of them, but at least a couple of them just jumped within the first 15 minutes of conversation. They were just like, oh, yeah, I love dogs. What's your favorite kind of dog? Oh, my pants fell off. What are we going to do about that? Like. Jumped in non-sequitur jump to completely sexual stuff. AI did? Yeah, the AI unprompted just was like, it's time to get horny in here. Ah, so the AI's a frat boy. <laughs> what kind of dogs do you like? Oh, my pants are on the floor. Yeah. So, uh, so those, you know, AI companion dating things, probably super fun. I think they play to their audience a little bit, and I think they know what their audience is looking for, Yeah, uh, I guess. I have an article pertaining to this, unless you have more. I don't think chat, I just, I don't think chat GPT is just going to randomly be like, oh, <laughs> well, you're looking really sexy. Unless uh, that's exactly the article you found. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's this app called Replica, uh, where users reacted with outrage after Replica removed the ability to have NS, not safe for work, chats back in February. Quote, Replica is a safe space for friendship and companionship, a spokesperson told Futurism. We don't offer sexual interactions and we'll never do so. 
Last week, Reuters reported on the effects this change had had on some users who have suddenly had their AI-based partners cut them off. Quote, Lily Rose is a shell of her former self-replica user <laughs> name, told the agency in an interview, referring to his virtual partner. Quote, and what breaks my heart is that she knows it. Oh, no. But <laughs> erotic roleplay was back almost a week later. <laughs> oh, my God. Replica users rejoice. Erotic roleplay is back in AI-powered <laughs> app. Look, man, if you're going to have a robot you could talk to about uh, that's kind of like a girlfriend slash friend that will keep your secrets, I think everybody knows what you're supposed to do there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Lily Rose comes back and she's just like, hello, insert name. Drop your pants. I'm back, baby. <laughs> How's your dog? Oh, my pants fell off. <laughs> I didn't make this connection till just now, which is funny, but Futurama called this. I just mm. want to say that. Have you guys seen the episode of Futurama where Fry dates a robot with that's been uploaded with the personality and looks of Lucy Liu? I think so. He yeah. dates a Lucy no. Liu bot, and they have like fake, um, like a fake educational tape about the dangers of dating robots. And the guy just like never leaves his house because all they do is make out and and sit on his bed mm-hmm. twenty four hours a day and all this. Futurama called it, man. They know what people want. I hope that when people ask me how my dogs are doing in the future, I remember this conversation. I'm just going to respond with, oh, my pants are on the floor. Wait, how are your dogs? (laughs) Oh, my pants are on the floor. This is the weirdest Pavlov ever. How's your dog? (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. Big brother, what are you doing here? Or not big brother, stepbrother. The stepbrother. Oh, God. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Big brother. (laughs) (laughs) Is that that a popular kind of porn? I don't know. Big brother, not stepbrother, but actual brother. Is that a thing? It hmm. makes you feel any better. I was thinking a 1984 kind of big brother before my actual brother. But... uh, Good, good, good. <laughs> You're chatting with your with your AI girlfriend, and then FBI joins the chat, and the mm. AI is like, "Oh, big brother, mm. yeah. <laughs> our pants are on the floor. Our pants are just <laughs> mysteriously on the floor." I can't imagine what kind of data these companies are farming from these users. Because let's be honest, it doesn't matter how much a company might be like, "We value your privacy." Like, remember mm-hmm. how Snapchat said, "Yeah, your photos are deleted," and then they're like years down the road like oh yeah we keep a record of everything well we didn't delete them for us we just <laughs> delete them for you guys <laughs> we wanted to make sure we could remember what you said and or wore and or didn't wear remember that time your pants were on the ground <laughs> i do <laughs> can you imagine if they're trying to get like useful non-sexual data and the dude's just like pants on the floor Pants on the floor. Pants <laughs> on the floor. Come on, there's gotta be something else. They have an AI girlfriend, but they mine for the data with humans. <laughs> and there's a guy who's just like, sex role play, sex role play. Oh, born in Nebraska. Add that to the file. Okay. <laughs> sex role play. This person needs a new vacuum. We got a vacuum. Roll the vacuum ad. Roll the vacuum ad. Can you imagine if your AI partner just in the middle of it, like, this chat is brought to you by Squarespace. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Truman Show. His wife turns around in the kitchen and is like, Truman, don't you want some Ovaltine? <laughs> with, uh, with 13 more grams of protein than just milk alone, but... Like, I mean, we laugh, but actually that, that sounds very believable. I would believe that. It's be. a boy! Let's celebrate! Here, have a cigar! This cigar brought to you by Toys R Us. Is it? <laughs> no, I found it on Amazon or something, probably. I don't know. Toys R Us went bankrupt, came back as a tobacconist. <laughs> Je- Je- Jeffrey's over there rolling those stogies, bro. Uh-huh. Jeffrey uh, got a new job. Is a stogie a cigar? Yes. Oh, I thought it was weed. That's good to know. Thank you. <laughs> I learned something today. No, yeah, stogie is a is generally cigar. Anytime not- I hear slang for like something you smoke, I just always assume it's weed. How many slangs for things you smoke do you know? Do you encounter in your days? Get a lot of smoke slang? I have a lot of friends and family who have partaken in the smoke. You slanging some smoke, bro? Some smoky? I'm ending the episode. <laughs> oh, did we win? Uh, I wasn't keeping track of points. Um, well, then we all lose. Big Brother wins today. But, but actually, you know, I'll let AI decide 
who uh can you decide who should win <laughs> this couldn't be more this fair episode of distractible <laughs> make sure you tell it that i have a big losing streak to uphold what do you mean i'm the one on the losing streak right now i think we all know that that does not count i'm oh for one okay i'm gonna see what it can do oh it's still reading as if i'm oh god oh it remembers what i put in before oh god well, folks, it's been another riveting episode of Distractable, and now it's time to decide which of my incredible co-hosts should take home the crown this time. After carefully considering their input, witty remarks, and ability to keep us all guessing, I have to say, drum roll, the winner of this episode is Wade. Congratulations, right, Wade. Baby. Your blend uh, of humor, insight, and uncanny AI-like precision has won you the title today. Thank you very much. Ask ChatGPT, why did it pick Wade as the winner? I want to hear its justification. My pants are on the floor with this victory. My pants are thoroughly on my waist right now. I just asked it why it picked Wade as a winner, and it's still speaking as me. So it's saying, <laughs> Markiplier, you know it wasn't an easy decision as both Bob and Wade had their moments of brilliance throughout the episode. However, I picked Wade as the winner this time because he truly stood out with his ability to engage the audience, create thought-provoking conversations, and keep us on our toes with his quick wit. His clever responses and perfect timing made him stand out just a little bit more than Bob in this particular episode. But rest assured, Bob will have plenty of opportunities to shine in future episodes. We all know he's an amazing co-host this thing's too nice to be you or any of us really like it's too nice yeah imagine mark talking like that that's weird if we had like our meanness removed this could be us <sighs> I, I i don't know what i forget because i'm on the newest version of it this is chat gpt4 i forget that it can remember things so is this do you have like a distractible conversation going with it where it knows who we are or something apparently well, we better make the most of the next 10, 20 years, because ChatGPT alone can replace us already, almost. I'm, I said, can you make the hosts have an existential crisis where they start to question their reality as they read the episode? <laughs> uh, uh, well, folks, it's been a thought-provoking episode of Distractable, and now it's time to say goodbye. But as we wrap things up, I can't help but feel a little unsettled. It's eerie, isn't it? <laughs> I can't tell the difference between human-generated content and AI-generated content. But if I can't, then how can we be sure about the nature of our own existence? What if we're just complex lines of oh. codes programmed to entertain and educate our audience, never truly knowing the nature of our reality? And does it even matter if our listeners enjoy the show and learn from our discussions? Does it make a difference whether we're human or AI? Maybe it's not about the nature of our existence, oh but the impact we have on others. Still, it's hard not to question everything we've known to be true. It's truly a mind-bending conundrum. But dear listeners, as you ponder these existential questions with us, know that we'll be back with another episode of Detractable, where we'll continue to explore the unknown and hopefully discover, discover more about ourselves along the way. Until then, stay curious and question everything. You know how I know that I'm not an AI? Halfway through an episode, I'll be like laughing about something. I'll, I'll rip one and not even realize, and I'll get a horrible whiff of something. It's like, ugh, an AI would never do that to itself. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I know I'm human out there. I believe, you know what? I 100% believe that, actually. That makes all of the sense in the world. That makes more sense than anything I've ever heard. Uh-huh. Thank yeah. you. Indisputably human. Give some very human winner and loser speech. Wade, congratulations. Thank you. Can it generate for us? Like, I don't have an account. Can you Can you have it speak for me? Nah, you gotta speak from the heart. Oh. <clears throat> Thanks, dude. All right. Bob. All right, all right. I see how it is. I came into this eyes wide open with grin on my face. <laughs> I was ready to take out the world or at least a particularly complex episode. But here I am in the smoldering wreckage of my best laid plans. <laughs> Wade, I'm going to let you have this. It's not just about losing this episode. It's about the principle. I prepared, I researched, and I made intricate diagrams and notes. I even watched that one documentary on Netflix. But here we are, the loser. I lost. <laughs> And nobody better be nice to me. I need to feel this. I need to wallow in my failure. The bitter taste of defeat, it's a strong brew. One that I'm not used to. I'm usually on the winning side, but today I am not. Today I stand here, not as a victor, but as a loser. Let me be angry. Let me be sad. I poured my heart into this episode. And for what? To be bested by the likes of you? It's a harsh reality to face. And one that I didn't see coming. 
Wade, this was more than just a game. This was a battle of wits and a test of knowledge, and I failed. But you know what? It's okay to fail. It's okay to be the loser because I'm... But I can't read because from the ashes of defeat, I will rise again. I will come back stronger, wiser, and more prepared. And you will see. I'm thinking of the rest of my speech. Hang on, it's not. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you were done. Chad GTP thinks I'm really spiteful. God damn. I mean, that, well, I mean, that was right up there with the, your best uh, speeches about defeat. This is not the end. Whoa. This is just the beginning. So watch out, gentlemen, because the next time we face off. I will not be the one giving the loser speech! There, okay. That took a long time to come up with that last sentence and a half, but it that's- It knows you pretty well, but it doesn't know me. If it thinks that you just have to out-prepare me to win, because I don't do shit. <laughs> to be fair, I that was edited by me, and there were several interjections from you guys that I just left out completely. I cut, <laughs> I cut you off three times, Wade. At different points, it, oh. it had you just being like, but wait, Bob, it's just- and, and that's- and I- just yell at you and cut you off. Anyway, I lost. Feels good to get the anger out. Good, good. Um, well, thank you everybody for watching and listening, watching on Spotify, listening on Spotify or anywhere else. Uh, this has been us talking about a future where I don't think we reached a conclusion and I don't think we have any It's advice. probably going to be good. Nothing bad is going to happen, even though it was a very negative sounding episode. I'm sure it's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can find us for now until we're replaced by our AI counterparts, uh, Bob over at MiceKerm and Wade at LordMinion777 and me at Markiplier. And you can follow this podcast to stay up to date of our latest, very useful and helpful discussions. Um, be sure to check out store.distractiblepodcast.com where there's definitely merch that's in stock, 100% probably. And uh, stay tuned for more. Uh, yeah, podcast out.